0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll look at about five verses this morning as we talk about the practices and why this is important. So once again, I'm going to give an overview this morning so that we can get in the right frame of mind And then every single week, subsequent weeks, we're going to cover some of these different practices, which are pretty much spiritual habits so that we can grow spiritually in our walk with God. And so let me kind of give us a a brief overview and then I'll get into this text. Uh, We're going to focus on three things uh, for the next two months, uh, in the month of June, as well as in the month of July. The first thing is that we want to grow in our intimacy with God. And that's going to be one of the main focuses. And you'll, you'll see it as we talk a little bit more about why this is so important. And you'll hear this over and over again about this idea of intimacy with God, why that fuels our knowledge of God or wanting to even know who God is. From there, it will cause us to then be obedient and following His Word by faith. And then it will lead us to knowing God in a deeper way, which will then fuel our intimacy with God. And you'll see this cyclic thing happened. So I'll explain that a little bit later. The second reason is we want to go deeper in our discipleship. And I'll explain a little bit why this morning some of our discipleships are very shallow. In fact, it's a universal problem and we want to address that as a church. As many of you know, if we're known for mission as a church, that's something that I will be thrilled about. Because why? Because that's that's on the heart of God, the mission of God. Also, if we're known as a church for discipleship, you want to grow in your walk with God. And that's why people come to our church that I will be ecstatic for that as well. Why? Because we are called to be more like Jesus Christ. So once again, we're going to grow deeper or grow in our intimacy with God, and we're going to go deeper in our discipleship. And then also we're going to get ready for the new year. Uh, One of the best times to grow spiritually is during the summer. I know for many of us, we're going to be traveling, you're going to go home, and there's going to be so many things going on. But things are a little bit slower during the summer. And so relationships can be built. It's kind of conducive for us to go out and do different different things as we build community together. So this summer, we believe it's going to be so crucial, as we've heard about OCR and all the things that God is going to be doing in this new year coming up in September, that we need to make sure that we are getting ready for that season. That's why we're focusing on what we're focusing on today and throughout the whole several months. We're simply calling it practices because the way we are going to grow in our uh, intimacy with God, the thing that's going to help us to go deeper in our discipleship and even getting ready for this new year is simply by training. There is no shortcuts in Christian life. You are where you are today because the lack of training or the training you have received, and now you are following through in obedience. A lot of times we wonder to ourselves, is there a lack of knowledge? Well, I would say there's a whole array of information on the internet. So I don't think it's an issue of lack of knowledge or access to knowledge. I really believe it really comes to our lack of discipline and a lack of training. And that is the reason why I want to address it for the next two months as we talk about practices. The way you train yourself, the way you practice some of these spiritual habits, we determine in many ways by God's grace. And as He leads us and as we obey, it will lead us to where I believe that all of us desire to be. So in order to accomplish this objective, let me kind of give us some different ways that we're going to try to accomplish it together. Uh, I don't know if some of you have been coming out to our church, but you even noticed that the way that chairs are kind of set up. And I'm going to explain a little bit of what we're trying to do. How many of you were here in our church during COVID? Can can you just raise your hand right now? Okay. I mean, it looks like the majority, but it's almost like 50, 60 percent. That means that a lot of you uh, either watched online or you were not here in Hong Kong. And one of the things you notice is that when we did online, first of all, it, it, was a, it was a learning curve for us. Praise God for the AV team. Come on, let's give it up for the AV team and the video team. The way I explain it is we built a car as we were moving along, as we were driving. So one week it's like, oh, that was really bad. We tweaked it and then, oh, this is bad. And then we tweaked it and we just kind of built the car as we were driving. Well, one of the things that we found very helpful in the learning process is that instead of just watching a screen and me talking the whole time, we had an opportunity to break up into huddle groups. And through that, because it was based on life groups and we already had the relationships, what happened was that it was a little bit more conducive to actually processing and learning the information that was preached over the pulpit. And so in order to accomplish our purpose of trying to go deeper in our discipleship, growing in our intimacy with God and getting ready for this new year that's coming up, we're going to use some of the format that we use during the times when we're in COVID. So I'm just kind of laying it out before you so you realize you, you won't freak out. Like, <clears throat> what, what are we doing? We're past COVID. COVID. Well, I shouldn't say that some of us are still getting COVID, but we're going to pray for these brothers and sisters. So the first thing that we're going to start changing, especially to accomplish those objectives, is that we're going to change the format. And that simply means in this format, there's going to be four things that we want to focus on every single time, whether it is on Sunday, in our life group, and the four things are simply this in order for us to practice these spiritual habits, the first thing is identify. The reason why so many of us are stuck and you're not growing is you're not able to identify some of the hindrances, some of the things in your life that stop you from growing in your relationship with God. Now, the problem is some of us do know what they are, but in our stubbornness or our self-sufficiency, we don't want to fully trust in God. But for a good handful of us and a lot of us here, We don't know what those issues are. How does it connect to the things that we're struggling with? How does that issue connect with this other problem that we have? So one of the things that we're going to be doing on Sundays is simply to identify what those things are in our lives. Another thing is that in our um, kind of like a format that we're doing, is not only to identify, but then we're going to also instruct. This is part of my responsibility to teach you you, as sheep in our fold here, we are called to teach you to understand the heart of God. That is part of the equipping. That doesn't mean we're going to do all the homework for you. We're just going to lay it out before you and hopefully many of you can take it deeper and do all the research if you're interested. But we're just going to put the spread before you so you understand why these practices are important in your life and how does it have an f- effect in your relationship with God? The th- third aspect is inspire. We, we are praying that the Holy Spirit will inspire us to come up with a training or a spiritual discipline or a spiritual habit course for ourselves. We're not going to tell you what to do. We'll suggest some things, but at the end of the day, we're praying the Holy Spirit will inspire you because if we're talking about reading the word that you will come up with when you're going to read it, when it's going to be best for you and where you're going to experience God. So that's something that we're praying for. And that will happen in life group when we talk together, like this is what I learned. And because of this, this is what I feel like God is speaking to me about. This is what I want to try to implement in my life, which is the fourth and last component is the implementation. We're going to implement the things that we're learning into our lives. And that's why these two things of being inspired as well as implementing things will be done in life group. And so we're not going to necessarily give all this stuff out to you for you to do. But as you are discussing, as you're doing life together in life group, that is where you're going to be able to get inspired and then implement some of these practices, not only in your life, but possibly with your life group. If you want to do it together, it's always better together. So we want to make sure that you are able to do that. So with these four things that I just mentioned, the Sunday celebration is going to be mostly, as I mentioned before, is identify and to instruct. So we're here to equip you. So that's what's going to happen. Uh, We're going to go through a combination of live preaching like I'm doing right now. We're also going to have some videos. Some of you know, I'm going to be going to China and to Thailand and helping helping out with leading the team. And so there will be some weeks that we will pre-record a message, but it will still run the same way that we're doing as if you're looking up uh, at me at the stage here. I will then come back in one of those Sundays because there's a little break and I'll come back and I'll, I'll preach live and then I have to fly right back to join the missions team again. And so what we're going to do and you'll experience today is that we want to use Sunday celebration not only to instruct you and to help you identify, but as I mentioned before, this is one of the best opportunities for you to get into smaller groups and to interact together. Now, let me pause here, and this is where some people's brains are running 100 kilometers per hour. If we're going to get into huddle groups, then I better sit by next to that person that I like. And to you, I would say that's very smart. So you can have conversations and talk about different things, but just don't weird each other out. All right, because they're sharing your life and they might freak out. But also this might be a great opportunity to sit next to people that you just don't know or for a different campus or a different life stage, because sometimes hearing from different perspective is very important. It helps you to process and understand things in a deeper way. So we're going to, use Sundays to divide up into smaller groups where there's three or four people together clustering, talking about some of the things that are being shared here as we are instructing and hopefully it's causing you to think through and identify the things that are going on in your life. The second thing, so we're going to pop out again to the bigger things that we're going to try to accomplish as our objective. So not only is if the format is going to change, But also I want to just emphasize the community. The reason why I want to mention this is because I really believe when we talk about spiritual habits, the practices, one of the best ways to actually grow in it is through community with other people. I want to highly encourage us to not to do some of these things just on your own. Now, some of them you have to do it on your own, but at least together you can keep each other accountable which is leading me to my third and last point is that I really believe in order for this to work well throughout the summer, there has to be good accountability. And without people keeping us accountable, you won't do it. How many of you decided that you're going to work out together or run together? Don't raise your hand. Okay, some of you raise your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Keep on running, brother. You know, keep on running. Uh, It was a rhetorical question. That's why I have to prep you Because if you're not paying attention, you'll raise your hand for everything. All right, so it's a rhetorical question. How many of us have decided I'm going to run or I'm going to work out and there's an accountability partner? You know how it goes. You wake up and you're like, I do not want to run. Then all of a sudden you get this text. I ran today. How about you? And you're like, Jesus, just take me home right now. This might be my last day. But what does it do? Ah, he ran. So I'm going to run. And that's part of the accountability when we're able to do things together. You, you read the Bible today. I haven't been able to read it yet. So I'm going to read it as they encourage me to say, hey, let's read it together. Did you pray? Did you meditate? Were you, were you in solitude? Uh, did you fast this week? There's so many different spiritual practices that will help you in your walk with God that we're praying that will happen in that way. So today in this two month long series, I'm going to talk about this overview and talk about the motivation of why we want to learn how to practice the spiritual habits. So I want to start off with this question that you can just think about. What is one thing, just I want you to think about your life. What is one of the hardest things that you had to practice or worked on in order to be good at? Just think about that for a moment. Is there anything in your life that you had to practice over and over again or you worked on it really hard so that you could be good at it? I would say a lot of us in this space here would agree that there are some things that we can testify to. We we could do math really quickly because you memorize those table of contents or whatever, the math tables. I know some people who still use their fingers and they're like, in their 20s, but we love you still. We love you. Whatever works for you, you know, whatever works for you. There are a lot of things. Some We have some musicians, you know, those of you who played where, when you were young and the practice over and over again. Some of you, it might be a certain skill set. Some of you, it might be a certain type of sports or athletics. A lot of the things that we're good at, it came about because of practice. So when we Think about that. I realize how often do you have to practice and how many times do you have to do it within a day or a week? Well, all I can say is I'm amazed at some of you that can type a whole paper possibly on your phone just with your two thumbs. See, I cannot do that. So what I do is I use the auto swipe thing. That I'm pretty good at but there are times when the autocorrect says the, the wrong word. Just, this, is, this is not in my note. I, 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 I want to share something. So there was a time where I was swiping and typing something and it turned out, it, was a, it wasn't a nice word. So then I found out that there is a little button that you could push and you could delete or you could turn off any offensive words. So I said, okay, this is helpful. So I turned it off. And every single time I was swiping Jesus, it just would not work. <laughs> J. So I went really slowly. J-E-S-U-S. And then I said, hmm. So I just had a thought. So I undid the offensive word and I said J-E-S-U-S and it showed up. So I concluded that Jesus is a very offensive word. So that's just a little thing that maybe some of you, well, now, know, but I'm amazed that some of you could type. Okay, now you can raise your hand if you do. You know somebody, if it's yourself, you could raise your hand too. But do you know somebody who types really fast with these two fingers or t- these two things? Okay, 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 now, now, now we're calling out people's names. <laughs> this is when you know you're not a mega church, you know, you start naming people because you know everybody. But, but you know that that person probably what sent a lot of messages to be able to type that fast. That's practice. When my boys were younger, well, they still do now, but when they were younger, trying to connect with them, I I tried to play video games. And so they had the two different games or boxes because the uncle was very generous, which I thought was giving them poison. But anyway, we, we decided to let them play only after they finished their homework and all that. But we're playing a game and I could not figure out all the buttons. There's one up here. There's all this stuff over here. But my boys, they could do it even without looking. But I was doing this the whole time and I kept on getting killed. Some of you probably can do it in your sleep and you wake up doing this. Why? Think about how many hours you played video games that now it's second nature. Think about some of you who are working. Some of you are Excel sheet monsters. You are beasts. You go on the beast mode. Like, I'm amazed because I'm like, okay, which function was that function this? I just know how to do things that are very basic. But there are people who go, control, shift, and I'm like, whoa. Like, how do they do that? Because it's practice. They've done it over and over again something that I always have to have some self-control is that when I'm listening to other sermons or when I'm listening to any kind of presentation and they come up with like five points and they came up with like four D's and they couldn't come up with the last one. So it was like a like a M. I would sit there. It would bother me so much. I would look and I could come up with the the other D. Why? Because I've been doing this for almost 30 years every single week. Some seasons I've done like three sermons per week. So it's practice. Things that are quick, things that you're able to respond to, you don't even think about, it's unconscious, is through practice. I want to demonstrate this for you or actually show it to you so you'll understand. How many of you know Stephen Curry? Okay. Some of you are like, Is that a new Indian uh, Indian curry that I haven't had yet? (laughs) Okay. So if you don't know who he is, it's okay. Uh, You love Jesus in a different way. But those of you who know who he is, he's probably the, or arguably the the best shooter in the history of the NBA. In fact, he literally changed the composition of how the basketball game is played. Back in the 90s, there were only five. They, they did a statistical analysis. They only did about five three-pointers when the three-pointers first came out. Only five. Per game, per team. So we're talking about all across the NBA. Now, do you know what the average is? Per game, per team, it's 34. So we're talking about literally, here's a person who changed the game which is basketball. So I want to show you this video and just watch some of the highlights of his dribbling and also his shooting. Now, just so that you understand, when you watch him, the way I could explain it is it's like poetry in (laughs) motion. Because he is not thinking, wait a minute, hold, hold on defender, let me figure out how I'm going to dribble this ball. He does it almost unconsciously And he is creating while the things are happening in real time. That's why it's one of the most beautiful things when you watch it carefully. And that's why they always show the replay in slow-mo right after it happens because it's too beautiful. And when he shoots the ball, it's such a pure stroke when he shoots and it's, it's phenomenal. And the area in which he shoots it from, it's long distance. So those of us who don't know what basketball is, You can go to sleep for about two minutes or a minute, 50 seconds, and then you wake up when we come back together. Let's watch this together. That's what I call poetry in motion. Because he's creating something live with the skills that he has practiced and developed, and he's now able to do it unconsciously. Like if I had to draw a parallel, that would be some of us learning how to depend on God and we do it so much in practice that when we face different situations in life, instead of complaining, instead of starting stressing out, our natural reaction is take what's coming to us and learning how to then depend on God. And so there will be the peace of God in our lives. That stuff that you just watched does not come automatically. The stuff that you watch him do on that video, by the way, you could look it up in YouTube and there's many of them. The stuff that he was doing that takes not only years of practice, but hard work. And that's why he is where he is at. What would it be like if that was us spiritually? In the midst of the temptations, in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of some of the dry moments of our lives, even sometimes when we're just going through conflicts with others, when we are faced with things that are beyond our control. The reason why it's effortless or flawless is because game after game he has demonstrated what no one else sees when it's during the practices. I'm going to show you one more quick clip And how many of you heard of Masterclass, the Masterclass? He actually offers a master's class on dribbling, shooting. And I haven't seen it, but it looks pretty good. So those of us who want to impress people, maybe you should go ahead and take that master class. But I want to show this to you because, as you know, this is pretty much a course that they offer online from a master, somebody who has mastered a skill. And then they're teaching you what they have practiced so that if you practice it, you could at least get to, maybe not to their level, because they have a longer time of doing it, but at least understand why they're able to do what they're doing. And if you put the time and effort and the energy into it, you might actually excel in your life as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you Stephen Curry's Masterclass advertisement of what you will learn if you take his class. And it gives you a window to how many times he pray. I was going to find these other videos of him actually practicing, but I'm like, this just summarizes it. We don't have time. So let's go ahead and watch this together. Wow, we should make one for the spiritual life. (laughs) It's time to work. Get in life group. And time taking. That's right. Right now. <laughs> this is no longer a sermon, it's a discussion. Go ahead. <laughs> this is great. You don't become great overnight, it takes practice. And my hope and dream for our church is that we will have deeply devoted disciples of Jesus Christ, that not only loves Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but we will be able to love people and to do His mission. That's how we're going to see in this transition tremendous fruitfulness, is that if we can grow deeper in our discipleship, if we can grow in our intimacy with Christ, and then getting ourselves ready for this new season coming up. So at this time, this is where we're going to take a little pause, I'm going to give you seven minutes, turn to two other people or make a group of four at the most, but try to make a group of three so you can discuss. Now all of you are either in college or graduated from college, I know some are not, and some of us are still hoping to get into college, but if you do the math. If there are three people and there's seven minutes, guess what happens? There will always be that one person who takes up six minutes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that never happened to me. You're the person then, all right? <laughs> so somebody might want to just kind of keep a clock and just give two minutes each. You might not be able to answer both questions, but at least answer one of them. And, or if you want to answer the other question, if that's better for you, you can do that as well. So can you go ahead and identify who are you going to get into a a smaller group with? Go ahead and please make sure that we are no one's by themselves. If you have to make a group of four, then go ahead and make a group of four. Everyone identified? Because I don't want you to spend any time trying to figure out the groups. So you can just turn around. We're going to give you seven minutes. Here are the questions, the two questions that we have for you is simply this. What are some skill sets that you have developed over the years with a lot of hard work and practice? And how do you feel when you are putting in the hours of hard work? Let me give us the one thing that I want us to remember as we talk about the importance of these spiritual habits or practices that we're going to do for the next two months and learn it together. It's simply this, that if we want to grow in our Christ-likeness, then we must commit... the hard process. If you're going to be like Christ or you want to be like Christ, you have to commit to this very difficult process of these practices so that God can conform you and shape you to make you into the image of His Son. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, give you two things to consider as we're talking about how if we're going to grow in Christ likeness, that there has to be this commitment through the hard process of growing and going through these practices. The first thing I want to mention is this, training oneself is necessary. Once again, there are no shortcuts. There's no magic pill. Without training, you will not grow in your walk with God. That is something that we have to not just hear from our ears, but we have to deeply understand that. Many of you are where you are in your walk with God. When you struggle, when you go through all the stuff and you don't know how to respond in a God-centered way or a Christ-like manner, it's because you have not been trained. This is the reason why we want to do everything possible to help us because I'm going to say this to you. Many of you are very young and you're going to go through a lot of harder things in life. It's coming. I mean, we know for ourselves, my wife and I, there's things that we have faced and there's things that we're going to have to face. We're getting to the age where our parents are passing away. There's going to be a lot of difficult things and until you are trained to become more like Jesus Christ and displaying the fruits of the spirit, it is going to be a very difficult walk for some of us. In fact, I will say this and without trying to be discouraging, but some of you will turn away. Some of you will not see it as worthwhile or even there's any value of following Christ. That's why I'm stressing the importance of getting trained now while many of us are young so that when we do this hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, as we're walking with the Lord, that when you get to that place, you'll be able to handle some of those situations by the grace of God. So we have to Understand that training oneself is absolutely necessary. You cannot avoid it. Let's go ahead and read verse six through nine and what Paul was saying to Timothy. It says this, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irrelevant silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy that if you want to be a good servant, a servant of Jesus of Christ, he says that you have to tell others about the warnings that were clear that Paul told Timothy, which are the false doctrines, And even apostasy, there were many people during this time that were falling away from Jesus. They were known as disciples, but they turned away. So, what Paul is trying to encourage this young Timothy is listen, what I have taught you, what you have learned, you have to be able to teach it to other people. Because it is so important that you do not get strayed away from the pure doctrine and the word of faith that I've poured into your life. The word train in verse six, the first time we see it, It is not the way we understand training. That word, if you study that, it means to nourish or to be nourished. It is also this idea of brought up. So when you think about that, let's go back to verse 6. If you look at verse 6 again, it says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being what? Nourished or brought up in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So what Paul is trying to say is that you have been fed, you have been encouraged, you have been brought up in the Word. That should be the thing that strengthens you so that now you can speak forth and as you get stronger, you can help others. In verse 7, Paul mentions not to have anything to do with these silly myths. Uh, Back in those other translations is these wives' tales because a lot of people were using human philosophy and mindset. It would be like us if we're living here, we would start sharing about Confucius theories of some things or maybe just humanism, how to be a good person. And we're mixing it with the gospel. And Paul says, don't do that. That is not going to help people to understand the purity of the gospel message. And Paul knew that these things would distract Timothy. These things will distract people from understanding the gospel. This is why spiritual training is so important for the spiritual life. In verse 7b, you will notice Paul says, train yourself for godliness. This is the word that many of us understand when we talk about training, because that word train comes from the Greek word where we get the word gymnasium. So when you think about a gym or gymnasium, that's where you go there to exercise. So that's exactly what Paul is trying to communicate in verse 7b when he says, train yourself. It's like, go to this gymnasium and practice for godliness. Let me give you some other translation that kind of uses that same imagery and the language about physical training. Some of these translations pull it out a little bit more. The message translation says this, exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. (laughs) You thought it was only physical, huh? No spiritual flabbiness, please. The New American Standard Bible says this, on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. The New King James Version says this, and exercise or train gymnasium, exercise yourself towards godliness. And the New Living Translation says this, spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit can I ask us, you may be physically fit, but are you spiritually fit? You got to go through training. Paul reminds Timothy that this training is not just physical training, but rather it is a training for godliness, which is spiritual. We've been sharing this a lot, at least amongst the leaders. We just had a summit and I've been sharing this, and we're going to share this quite a bit throughout the summer as well, if not throughout the year and maybe it's going to be one of those tools that we have in part of our live curriculum. But one of the things that I began to realize as a counselor, a lot of the stuff that we develop or things that come out is just from experience. As some of you know, I sit down just throughout the week with many people just either counseling or trying to help them, train them, whatever it may be, disciple them, mentor them. And I began to see a pattern so many people struggling in their relationship with God. Also seeing that they make everything about task and doing things. Now, you have to understand doing things is not a bad thing, but it comes back down to motivation, in which I will talk about. So a lot of people, because the motivation is wrong, but their behavior is correct, a lot of times they'll get by for a week, a couple weeks, a month, maybe even a season of time, maybe within a year or throughout college life, and then they start working. And that's when they realize, what am I doing? They lose heart, they lose the purpose, and many of them struggle. And I began to start putting pieces together, began to understand that this is not what we want to produce as a disciple and follower of Christ. Not only that, but I do have some positive examples of people who understood God's heart, They struggled, they wrestled with God because there's something that God wants them to do, which is very difficult. That means that they might be forsaken, abandoned by the people that they love. They might be ridiculed, but they just felt that this is what the Holy Spirit was speaking to them as they got counsel. And they decided to take a step of faith in obedience to God. And every single of those people that I've seen, as I'm walking with some of them, I have seen their spiritual life exponentially grow exponentially, time and time again. And then I began to look at my life and I realized that is so true. All the times, if I chart my spiritual journey with Christ, all the times that I actually had to step out and take a step of faith, trust Him for something that I didn't know how it was going to come about. I had to obey Him even though it was hard and inconvenient. I realized all those times when He came, I literally shout up in my love for God, my knowing of who He is and His grace, His mercy, His power, His patience, His provisions. And that's when I said, wow, there's a connection here of doing certain things out of obedience and then you we see it come about because God is always true to His Word. From there you begin to know God more, that you trust in Him more. You grow more intimate with God. And through that you want to know more of God. And then you still wrestle. And this is the part from the knowledge of God to the obedience to God. That area is probably the hardest part. And can I just say this to you? That is the part which requires practice. Let me show us a diagram that we kind of made and I was sharing this with the leaders so that you can understand. This is what we all desire. We want to be intimate with God, to know the God of the universe who fashioned all the stars in place, who created the heavens and the earth. Like we desire to be close to this God, to know Him in an intimate way. The only way you're going to get to know Him intimately is what? It is through the knowledge of God. You cannot be intimate with somebody that you do not know. That's why part of the knowledge of God is through the Word of God. Being able to experience different things of God and like, well, this is who God is. That is why you have to be able to discipline yourself to read the Word, to study the Word, because that is how you're going to get to know God. There's, there's many other ways, yes, through nature and all these other things that we see in Scripture, but I'm telling you right now, there is no better way to know God, the, t- uh, the knowledge of God, than through the Word of God. It is inerrant, it is inspired, it is infallible, it is sola scriptura. Scripture alone, it will change your life. So the more you, this is your desire, my desire, we want to be intimate with God. And then the way we get there is we've got to have a knowledge of God through the Word. And as we get to know God, then the next step is obedience to God. And I'm telling you, it is from here to here where I would say majority of us we struggle with. It's not that we don't have a knowledge of what He wants us to do. It's just that we don't want to obey. Because our selfishness, because it's an idol that we don't want to let go. It's because of our stubbornness. It's because we are self-sufficient. We don't need God only when it's beyond our control. And this is the reason why many of us struggle in this area. And that's why you are not growing spiritually. This is the reason why many of us in our discipleship relationship, it hasn't been taking off. That's why in the last year or so, many of us, we have been at the same place. That's one of the first questions that I like to ask people when I try to get to know them in a discipleship relationship. I said, in the last month or so, what did you do that required complete faith in God? What is it that God called you to do that you had to trust in Him? And if I were to ask you that question this morning and you cannot think of anything, then I would say this without knowing you. And it's not a judgment, but from what I'm sharing from my connections that I'm making, your walk with God is probably either stale, it's just kind of like plateaued, because you cannot be a Christ follower without obedience to God. And without obedience to God, you will not grow in your relationship with God. Then what I would do is go backwards and I would say, I would question if you have a desire To know this God of the universe. So if you want to be intimate with God, you got to have some knowledge of God. Through that as you begin to wrestle through it, say God give me this faith, then you obey God. And guess what happens when you obey God? The next stage is then you start knowing God. God is true. He will provide for me because I trusted in Him and then He provided. That He is loving, He is forgiving. Because it's just all head knowledge here. But when you begin to act in obedience to what you know, that's when you get to know Him more. And that's when you realize He is good. He is loving. That He does care. That He's holy. That He purifies. And once you get to know God more, guess what? It's going to fuel your intimacy with God. And then you're going to want to what? Have greater knowledge of Him. And then as you wrestle through. So what I'm suggesting is this. This training that Paul talks about to Timothy, it is right here that we are trying to train ourselves so we can get to the obedience to God so that we can get to know God and we can grow intimate with Him. That's why we train ourselves. That's why we're doing the practices. Because ultimately it's about our intimacy with God, our relationship with Him. This is why in verse 8, Paul reinforces how spiritual discipline and training are more important and more valuable than physical discipline. Pretty much what he's saying, as much as you put the effort and the discipline in your physical life, and what he's saying, and I, I really believe that he's, saying, he's not saying ignore it because he thinks, he even talks about it, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he's not against physical training. But he's just simply saying, as much as you value and put attention to your physical body and physical training, what he's saying and challenging us with is, will you not put the same, if not more, effort, time, energy in your spiritual life? Because physical exercise, as he was saying in verse 8, it is a good thing, but it only has benefit for this lifetime. Because as many of you know, when you get older, trust me. You can trust me. I, I, you're like, yeah, Pastor, what happened to your hair? I had a full lock of hair. I grew it out long and I put it in a ponytail. It will go, it'll fly away when the wind blows. You know, where, what happened? And that six pack that you, some of us long for so much, it will turn slowly into one pack. Trust me, this will happen. It will be hidden under some cushion. So here you are working out, doing all this stuff, which is a good thing. But you have put so much of your effort and time into this where it simply says gain perspective because your body is going to get weak. You're going to get old or older. Sometimes as we get older, we do have to exercise more. But he says, but spiritual exercise have value, not only for this present life, what does he say? But also for the life after, the eternal life. Think about that. Physical exercise only has value for this present life, and we're going to slowly waste away. But the spiritual life, the training in our spiritual life, has present benefits, because it will help us to love God, know God more, but it will also lead us towards eternal things. The Apostle Paul uses the same language to the people of Corinth when it comes to living life here on this earth, but also having a greater purpose of eternal things. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 through 27. I want you to read the yellow section with me. It says this, all athletes are what? Discipline. See, if you have true athletes because they want to win, they're going to discipline themselves. They won't eat certain things. They will exercise even though they don't feel like it. They Discipline, They are disciplined in their training because it's through the training where they will be able to excel. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for what? An eternal prize. So there's so many of us who are chasing after the things of this world. We're putting so much of our time and effort and none of those things might be wrong. Don't misunderstand me, but compare it to what we invest in our spiritual life that are eternal. It, it should pause, give us a pause and say, what am I living for? What is my purpose? Is it my, this eternal prize that I long for? Or is it the temporary things that I'm living for right now? So here's Paul. He says, so I run with what? Purpose in every step. He was a very purposeful person. Very intentional in everything that he was doing. Because when you understand the goal, which is the eternal prize, that every day you live your life, there will be a purpose every step of the way. He says, I am not just shadow boxing. I what? Discipline my body like an athlete. You see the word discipline again. And so that you can what? Training it to do what it should, what it was created to do. We were created to worship God. We're created to be intimate with God. We're created to love God. So when you discipline yourself, when you train yourself, you create your bodies or your souls even to do the very thing that He has created, which is for you to worship Him. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself might be disqualified. What he's simply saying is that my life here on this earth, I'm gonna beat my body, make it my slave, and I'm gonna discipline it so that I could finish the race that God has called me to, because He's looking at the eternal prize. We have to remember that spiritual growth does not just happen. It is something that we have to desire. And that desire comes from God. But also we have to put our minds and the effort in order to grow in godliness and Christ-likeness. Some of us, we have this idea, well, well, God redeemed me and He will sanctify me and He will do it whenever He wants to. And to you, I would say you have a very warped view of the sovereignty of God. Because as God is still sovereign and He's the one who has to motivate you, put that desire in your heart, but you have to respond. You have to do your part. I hear so many people saying, yeah, God God has spoken to me and God wants me to just do this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, where's your part in this? Because the illustration we always give is that you are rowing a boat with only one oar. If you've ever gone boating, you know that if you do it with one oar, you're going to go in a circle. This one makes you go what? Counterclockwise. This one makes you go. No, is it the other way? This one makes you go counterclockwise. This one makes you go clockwise. But you need both the sovereignty of God, human responsibility, and then when you are rowing both of them trusting in Him, but also doing your part, you're able to move forward. This lack of training in our spiritual life has caused shallowness in our walk with God. And I would go as far as to say that it has created shallow disciples, not only in our church, but the capital C church. Listen to what JT English said in Deep Discipleship. In fact, let me pause here and say this. If some of you are serious about growing this summer, as I have made all the leaders read this book before the summit, I want to challenge you to read it with some people together. This book will pinpoint all the different issues of why the church, not only in the states where he's from, but around the world, why is there such shallowness? We want to go deeper. In our discipleship this summer. And so if there's a book that you want to read, it's this book and it will be great to read it together with some other people and discuss some of these things. If you're discipling or you're getting discipled, this will be a great way to do it. Listen to what JT English said in his book, Deep Discipleship. He writes this, our ministry disease is not that the evangelical church is too deep, but that it is far too shallow. The symptoms of people and students leaving the church or the lack of maturing disciples or decreased attendance are symptoms that should tell us not that we are too deep, but that we are too trivial. People are not leaving because we have given them too much, but because we have, not, we have given them far too little. We are treating the symptoms of the wrong disease. Deep discipleship is about giving people more Bible, not less more theology not less, more spiritual disciplines not less, more gospel not less, more Christ not less. People are leaving the church not because we have asked too much of them, but because we have not asked enough of them. We we are giving people a shallow and generic spirituality when we need to give them distinctive Christianity. We have tried to treat our discipleship disease by appealing to the lowest common denominator, oversimplifying discipleship and taking the edges off what it means to follow Christ. Put simply, we have settled for a shallow approach to discipleship, believing that breath will lead to death. We have adopted philosophies of ministries that focus on growing crowds instead of growing Christians." End quote. What a powerful rebuke and a reminder For the churches all over the world. That's why I'm telling you right now, you got to do everything possible to fight comfort. Now, is God against comfort? No, because the Bible says He comforts us. But it is that lulling of our spirits where we just want comfortableness and we don't want any trial, we don't want to go through any hardships, any suffering, but the gospel in and of itself entails suffering. For you to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it entails suffering. And that's why we make decisions and we do things that will make ourselves comfortable. And that's why we could literally miss the whole boat, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So if we're going to grow in our Christ-likeness, then we must train ourselves. I'm going to give our last huddle group. And here are the questions I want you to think about. I don't think you're going to be able to remember the quote, but I hope something stuck out for you. So the first question is, what are your thoughts on JT English's quote regarding churches giving a shallow Christianity and the effects it's having on people? If you fell asleep, then answer the second question. (laughs) Why is it easy to train ourselves for certain things, but when it comes to our spiritual lives, it is so hard? Give me about five, six more minutes. Let me close out with this. We talked about how if we're going to truly grow in Christ-likeness, then we have to be committed to what? To this hard process of training, going through the practices. And so we talked about how training ourselves is a necessary part. I want to also talk about, as Paul mentions in the next two verses, he talks about how teaching others is also necessary. That is something that we have to do. You don't train yourself and then you can achieve a goal, but you are trying to bring others along in that process. Let me read verse 10 through 11. Listen to what it says. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is a savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and what? Teach these things. Paul understood how important it was to train up people. And also for believers to grow in their relationship with God, especially in the godliness. Now you could grow in godliness in a corner somewhere up in a mountain, but there's nothing more purifying than growing in patience when you have an impatient person in front of you. There's nothing that will train you better than to love the way Christ loved unless you have an unlovable person in your life, in your life group. That's why it is not just about you learning something, but you also teach and help train others so they can grow, especially when you're doing life together. In verse 10, we see Paul says that he toils and strives. Those are two important words. The word strive comes from this word agonize. So that makes more sense when Paul is saying, he's not just like, oh, I just work. I get up in the morning and I just work. He he is agonizing as he is living his life, putting his hope in Jesus Christ, who saves all people. And he's telling Timothy, teach these things. I command, command and teach these things to others. That word agonize or strive is used for athletes when they're agonizing to push a weight or maybe agonizing to reach for that goal. It's that powerful word and that image. So some of you can't imagine it. So I I picked a picture. So can can we show this picture? Whoa, I represented China here, all right. But this is what we call agonizing, striving, toiling, because he knows that if he lifts this weight, that he will win. That's why Christian life and being a disciple, or a follower of Jesus Christ, is not that you just sit there and think that it's going to automatically happen. He says this is the reason why that he strives and he agonizes, he toils, because it takes effort to be able to put your hope in him and to grow in your spiritual journey. This is what it means to be trained, to go into that gymnasium. Therefore, Paul is expressing that striving for godliness or Christ-like character should be something that should be pursued with great effort. Great effort because it is so important. The way you study for your exams to get an A, the same level of intensity, is that same level of intensity, if not more, because we value Christ more than the A, that that's how we should be striving, agonizing to know Christ. The same way that you put all that OT in so you can get a promotion to get more money or to move up the corporate ladder, that same energy that you put in there should be the same energy, if not more, because you value Christ more than money, more than success. That effort should be put into our spiritual life. The same effort and time that you put in to work out, to look a certain way so you can impress people should be just as the same, if not more, because you value Christ more. That Three hours you put in a day or two hours you put in, adding the shower, that you put in should be the amount of time that we would long to be in His presence, to even read the Word and we here we are, we don't even have time to read the Word of God. The same time that you put in in building friendships and relations, which is also very important, but here you are neglecting the most important relationship is with God. So that's why Paul says what? He says toil, strive, agonize to win a prize, to be able to obtain something. Because we want to know God. We want to experience Him. But this is the thing. It cannot be from our own strength. The problem for many of us is we try to do this in our own self-righteousness and that's why we get discouraged and we fall short. Listen to what he says to the people of Colossae in chapter 1 verse 29. I want you to read the yellow section with me. It says this, for this I, what is that word? You see it again. It's the same word. Once again, he's not sitting back, but he's toiling. He's striving and he says what? Struggling with all his energy, not our own. It's God's energy, God's power that He powerfully works within me. So, if we're going to grow spiritually in our intimacy with God, so we could know the knowledge of God, so that we could have obedience to God, and then know God so that we could be more intimate with Him, that means that we need His strength, His power to be able to do these practices. This is the reason why I think it's very important to understand who it is that you depend on. Look look, look at this other translation of this verse. It says, that's why I work and struggle so hard. And what does he do? Come on, say this. Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Dependence. But once again, the motivation is different because for a self-righteous person, who wants to grow in holiness for themselves and doing it in their own power or strength, you realize they will always fall short. But Paul says it's because of where he puts his hope and where he is focused on is what's going to help him. That's the motivation. The struggle and the effort it takes is worth it because why? Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in this future success, but our hope is is on the living God. He says the living God. He's a living God. Jesus rose again from the dead. He's living and alive. The living God. So not only because Jesus is the Savior of the whole world, there's this desire. If you know that He's the Savior of the whole world, do you not want to see other people come to Christ? That's why we labor and toil. That's why we want to become more like Christ. Not only because we could reflect his glory and honor him and please him, but also if we could become a witness. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the whole world. We want people to know that he is the Savior of the whole world. That's why in verse 11 he reinforces this important principle of discipleship don't just keep it to yourself, but command, which means insist on. So encourage people to say, come on, we need to do this and teach others. If we are going to grow in our Christ likeness, we have to be committed to this hard process. And this hard process is training ourselves. It is something that you cannot take any shortcuts on. You got to be committed to that process. You better be committed as you walk with other people to experience that. Also then to teach others so that we can reach out to more people with the love of Jesus Christ. I want to just encourage us, some of you who are, you love Jesus, you love all that God is doing in our church, and you know that there's some brothers and sisters who are kind of like on the outskirts. Once again, sometimes the most judgmental people are the people in the church. But I want to challenge you with a thought. How do you reach out to those who don't have a desire to be intimate with God? How do you minister to those people who are chasing after the things of this world and you know in your mind and in your heart it will never satisfy? How do you minister to them? I pray that you'll become more like Christ. Pray for them. And then hopefully you can teach them because of what you're learning of how to obey and trust in God. That's why the one thing once again is that if we want to grow in Christ-likeness, we must commit to the hard process. I just have two things for us to put in a bigger, I guess, umbrella as this coming week you're going to come up with more specific things and in the subsequent weeks you're going to come up with the specific practice and how you're going to do that. Can I just ask us to make these two things our commitment? Kind of like a next step, but our commitment throughout the next two months. The first thing is this, let's go deeper with God and with our discipleship just let's just make a commitment on that we're, we're, just, we're gonna go deeper I mean, just think about all the things that are the, the trees the roots when it's really deep when the storms come it doesn't shake well it might shake but it doesn't get uprooted let's go deeper in our relation with God deeper in our discipleship so when difficult time comes when we face certain things that are beyond us that we won't be We might be shaken, but we're not going to be uprooted. Let's go deeper. The second thing is this. Grow together, or growing together is what? Always better. Grow better together. Don't do this by yourself. Invite some other people, especially Life Group. What a great opportunity for this summer to be a part of a Life Group, that as we're all focused I'm growing in our spiritual disciplines, the practices. I'm praying for some incredible inspiration. You know, when I think about all these apps with like exercises, you measure how many kilograms. I'm just thinking, what if we had something like that for spiritual? How do, how do we do this? All the coders like, mm-mm, mm-mm, not me, not me. No, we're not asking you to code something. Well, I don't know, but you know, if it if God inspires you. But I'm just thinking to myself, like, how do we help people to really be spiritually fit? Because there's so many apps, so many different things out there for our physical fitness. Is there something for a spiritual fitness? That we could do it together. How many of you guys love the soap app? Amen. And I'm so encouraged. There are people who are not even in our church or even our church family. People from all over the world. Read the comments. You're like, oh, I was looking for something like this. And then on the bottom, it's like made by people, I don't know how you guys phrase it, made by made with love from people from Harvest Michigan Community Church. Like that kind of stuff I'd I, I love to boast about because you know what happened? We were just saying, how do we help people to read the Bible? And keep each other accountable. Bam now it's impacting the world how do we get spiritually fit once again i'm not expecting app but if some of you but if some of you can come up with a chart send it over if some of you can think of some stuff because you know the excel control all whatever whatever you do send it over send it to your leader and then we'll distribute amongst all the leaders and all the life groups and that will be a great way to see how spiritually fit we are for this summer. Because I believe the things that are coming up the pipeline, I know for 100% certainty we cannot do this on our own strength of power. We need strong, spiritually fit people to do some of these things. That means we start right now. Let's get spiritually fit so that as we grow in faith, As we grow in the knowledge of God, we'll have obedience to God. From there, we'll know God, know Him. And from there, we'll be more intimate with Him. Come on, let's stand together, shall we? Can I ask us just for one minute, I want you to make the commitment to Jesus. We're going to journey for the next two months together. So if some of you are traveling, you might miss a Sunday, go just watch it online because we don't, we came up with these 11 habits or practices that we feel like are going to be so important for your spiritual life. Some of you already know some of these things because you've been in our church for some time. Some of us, it's going to be new. But just like Stephen Curry said, we're all on this journey. And he's striving for perfection. But this is the beautiful thing. We'll never be perfect, but we have a perfect one who lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. And that's why when everything's all said and done, it's about what Jesus has done for us. And now in response to him, we want to become more like him, more loving, more gracious, more patient, more gentle. Just Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, above such things. there is no other law. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And I pray that as we are growing in our walk with God, that we will produce it for the glory of God. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.